0: Welcome to Peeling the Onion podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell, where we have real conversations about what it takes to dive deep into the unique journey of healing.
1: Health is not a win-lose game. Join us and our amazing guests to explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health. So grab a drink, go for a walk, get cozy, and let's peel the onion. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Healing the Onion Podcast. Um, We are going to be talking about gluten today. What is up with
0: gluten? Gluten, the glue that makes everything bouncy and buoyant and fluffy when you have that piece of bread that you love so much. And you're so tired of wondering, like, oh, do I need to go gluten-free? Is gluten-free healthy? What's up with gluten? Really? Like, are all those people crazy that, that have decided to go gluten-free? I, you know what? Cheryl and I have sort of hit a wall. I, I I should say I hit a wall. And then and then I came to Cheryl and said, I'm hitting a wall. I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired of, of hearing the phrase gluten, going gluten-free is so healthy. Or if someone just says off the bat, like, oh, I need to go, hel- I, need, I need to be healthier. I'm just going to go gluten-free. Or, oh, they're just so healthy. They, they're gluten-free and da 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 So anyway. I I I regress here a little bit, but it's a pet peeve. And part of it has to do with the fact that I, because of health reasons, decided to go gluten-free uh, way back in 2007. And it was a weird time to be gluten-free for sure. And now there's so many ways to be gluten-free. The labeling um, of, of our era right now has replaced the, you know, uh, calorie-free, sugar-free labeling on the fronts of lots of packages, you know, companies are dying to let you know that th- that their product is gluten-free. Um, so there's a lot behind gluten that we need to talk about. Uh, you know, Cheryl and I are going to dive deep today into um, kind of def- like giving you a brief tutorial on all the things gluten. And so to kind of give you some, some, perspective as well on, um, on what it does to the body, how, how it causes inflammation, why it's become kind of a health, you know, topic to begin with, and then for you to make some decisions and also on kind of why, why you may or may not want to go gluten-free, Um, so anyway, hopefully if you're sitting around wondering yourself, like what in the world's going on, can can we just clear some of these cobwebs and have some education around it? This is the episode for you. So are you ready, Cheryl? I'm ready to free those minds. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Free your mind. Um, free your rest. mind. <laughs>
1: it's like our second episode where I feel like we're just singing songs by the beginning of the show. So <laughs> yes. summer is here. That's uh, right. So let's, let's just start off with like, well, what is gluten? Okay. Now, when I was first recommended to me that I go gluten-free um, mm-hmm. by my own practitioner, again, back in those uh, early two thousands ish. Um, yeah. and I came home, I looked in my fridge and I cried because I didn't know what gluten was. Um, <laughs> I thought it meant I was going to be sworn to a lifetime of eating sticks and twigs and leaves. Um, nothing wrong with that. We need to eat those sticks and twigs and leaves. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was. I didn't want to know what to do. I was yeah. dirt poor and yep. then, you know, as I started to sort of dive into what gluten was, um, I learned a lot. And really, gluten, just for those of you out there, is wheat, barley, and rye. Um, mm-hmm. Those greens specifically. And gluten is a protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and Um, And there's a lot of things we can say about that protein. For some people, their bodies react to it. It is not something their bodies handle well. Some people might have something like what's called celiac disease. Um, Other people may have non-celiac gluten sensitivities. Um, you may even have found that you're out at a restaurant and the server maybe has asked you, Oh, is that a allergy or a sensitivity? Um, Mm. and you're going, what does that, what does that mean? And so, um, you know, today we're just going to like talk a little bit like, well, what are the differences between these things? Um, starting off with, well, what is celiac disease? Mm. Um, so Um I you know, I pulled up the celiac disease foundation just for us to get some good statistics yep. <laughs> on celiac today. Um but the short version is the celiac disease is actually an autoimmune disease. It means the immune system is on fire. Anytime we you know, hear or use the word autoimmunity, it's saying the immune system is in a constant state of freak out basically. Mm-hmm. Um and so what we know about celiac disease is these people have such a reaction to gluten that it actually damages their small intestines. Um, It rubs down the villi and the microvilli and the gut lining um, and really leads to chronic, chronic health issues, leaky gut, um, and other things going on. Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of interesting when we look at this, you know, the celiac foundation, um, that it's estimated one in 100 people worldwide have celiac disease, but mm-hmm. only about 30% of those people are actually properly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So this is a much bigger common problem, um, than we probably yeah. realize. And also the celiac disease
0: tends to run in families. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say like one in 10 risk, people with a first degree relative with celiac disease, um, one in 10 have a risk of, of getting it themselves. And Cheryl, you've mentioned that you have a marker in your genetics for celiac, but you're not celiac. So let's talk about that actually. So we can carry these genes, right? And not actually get them until... An environmental trigger sets the gene Mm -hmm. off. So
1: I always tell everybody, and now you guys have probably heard me say this before on the podcast, but um, genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. That's right. Um, So, you know, in my case, um, I actually have the genetic markers um, DQ2 and DQ8 for Mm -hmm. celiac disease, Um, but I do not have active celiac disease. Now, I will say this I think there have been points in my own healing journey where I was edging on Mm. celiac. How do you know? Um, based on the fact that I was having such bad immune system responses, my nutrient absorption was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had chronic joint pain, anxiety. You know, all these mm-hmm. various things going on that can be markers for celiac, um, and because my zonulin markers were so high. My secretory IgA was so low, you know. So, like, really looking at these really um, gut markers and other things going on. Now, for me personally, I decided I don't want to get celiac disease. <laughs> I right. don't want to have an autoimmune condition going on. So, I personally um, removed the gluten from my diet um, mm-hmm. because, again, prophylactically, I don't want to end up with celiac. Uh, what I think is really interesting and things that I learned about myself was when I removed gluten from my diet, my ADHD sort of symptoms radically improved. Yep. And I realized when I brought gluten back in after a few years of being gluten-free, gluten, it makes me a terrible, angry bitch.
0: Yeah, me <laughs> too. Oh,
1: I am not a good human. So it's better for me and it's better for humanity, than, <laughs> for my relationships, for my marriage, that I don't have gluten, um, you know? And so that is something that, you know, I... Generally, I'm hundred percent on. And every once in a very blue moon, if I'm at a wedding or a special occasion or a special dinner, I may choose the splurge a tiny bit. Um, but as my general rule of thumb, I keep my gluten free. I keep it, you know, at as hundred percent, as yeah. much as I possibly can, um, because again, I don't want to end up turning on that
0: celiac, triggering that celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about I think what my symptoms were like when I came when I w- when I was first advised to come off of gluten, and then you know what the response was. But I think right off the bat, though, speaking of those ADHD symptoms, um, man, I it was that first moment when I was realized like, oh, that's what brain fog is called. <laughs> Uh Like when I came off of it and I was clear of it for a long enough time and I, you know, the bloat went away. I immediately lost this like puffy 15 pounds on my body that was just, I was just toting around because my body was just puffy and inflamed and stressed out. And so, because I was eating this food that was causing inflammation, was causing stress, it was triggering a ca- cascade of other stress hormones, and I was just constantly like, like you said, agro and scattered. Um, and so, man, what a difference! And and so, it, so clearly when I would eat it again, those symptoms would come raging back, and it was yeah. just a big slap in the face. So, yeah, oh,
1: big isn't it crazy?
0: It, it is, is a, crazy.
1: And it is. I mean, I have to say, um, even on my own journey, like, and it was, I think, not just cutting gluten, but some other things. But the day that it felt like somebody had taken wool socks out of my head.
0: Mm, yes. And
1: all of a sudden I woke up one day and I'm looking around and I'm like, is this how everybody else sees <laughs> I is know. It, is this real? Where I mean, am I? Did I just get mm. imported to like a whole new yes. like experience? Because for some people, that brain fog can be real and you know you guys know who listen to the show like we're big believers in individualized medicine and approaches yeah, what works right. for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person and you know i think a big conversation too is not everybody per se needs to be gluten free but what we will say and just to add to this though is that what we see is um a lot of things that have happened with the wheat crop, um, and other crops that are gluten based. Um, a lot of our, um, grain is no longer heirloom traditional grain. That's why some people, they can go to places like Italy, they go to Europe and they're like, Mm -hmm. why can I eat gluten? And I feel awesome. And it's because it's heirloom grain, but also the United States sprays the most glyphosate, which is roundup (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the world on our food and, um, genetically modifying that food also with other, um, you know, other things. And so, um, glyphosate and a lot of that stuff is not allowed to be sprayed in Europe. And so we start to see this thing. So it's like, is it that we all can't tolerate gluten or is it maybe that some of these chemicals and GMOs are causing some of these reactions? And I think it's a bigger thing for everybody to dig into, like be your best advocate, do your research. Um, because not everything is so black and white. There's a lot of grayscale just in this
0: conversation. Well, yeah. And I was going to say that the really important piece of this from a culinary perspective is that, you know, gluten helps things, um, especially bread products. Let's just things that need to be fluffy and moist and stretchy, buoyant. stretchy, totally. Oh, stretchy. I know, isn't it? Um, I mean, the, like, like the idea of like back in the days when I would eat like, like, at, as a kid I would eat wonder bread and mayonnaise just straight up. It was so delicious. It was just so oh, tomato like, like nothing else on it. Just nope, it was just like wow. sugary yummy mayonnaise on white bread. It was just like a little like fat sugar bomb. It was um fantastic. Anyway, but that being said, it was you know that that buoyant hamburger bun and our hot dog bun, and that has, you know, most bread. You know, if I'm sure most of you listening have had the experience of going into a bakery or getting fresh baked bread, and that bread's only going to last unless you freeze it for you know three to four days um, before it becomes hard and and not really appetizing, and and then and and then it also like it it will naturally develop some mold and things will start to progress. Um, and rot well you know you could look at a bag of hot dog buns you know on the shelf and know that those hot dog buns when you buy them are going to be just fine for weeks <laughs> and they're going to keep their buoyancy and their fluffiness that is because of gluten and you'll notice in the ingredients list that um, that we have there is wheat uh, which which is the base of the flour being used um, to make that bun and then on top of that there's added, wheat gluten so that it, there's even more stability. And so that's that's the other factor. It's like yes, our grains are not heirloom, there's there are glyphosates all over them. That is a that is a toxin that it's really hard for our body to process um and shouldn't be in our food at all. And then to add to that, we're adding like gluten upon gluten upon gluten. Um, and so anyway, it's tricky guys. We're in a we're in a country and in a market, um, where companies are just trying to maximize shelf life, um, product viability. They want it to taste the same that it, it did from the time that it, it left the bakery a month you know prior to you eating it. And so, um, that's a big difference from a four day old piece of bread, you know, that it's, it's time to move on and throw away. So anyway, awesome. I, I Yeah, I just want to give some framework there from a a culinary perspective. Um, And, you know, crackers and all of this is pasta and all of this aside. um, Obviously, we're not looking for like buoyant, fluffy pasta um, in the same way that we're looking at it like in a hot dog bun. But what we are looking for in that pasta is stability. And so what and and in the case that I'll just reiterate one more time, it's not an heirloom grain, um, and it, it's it's been a highly processed um, flour that's gone into making that pasta. All right, so so from here, guys, let's let's dive into what it means to to just be sensitive to gluten because that actually is where I'm coming from. I never got a celiac diagnosis, um, and and before we actually leave the the the, the, the celiac conversation, actually, Cheryl, let's let's hit on the point of celiac testing. Um and so I think both of we have probably mentioned this before but it's really important for you to know that there's there are limitations in the diagnosis of celiac disease. Uh classically you would get a colonoscopy and you would get a biopsy of of your the, the, the intestinal lining. Um, and that would be processed through a lab and we would be able to see if, if you carried markers or if there was damage, um, from gluten, which is rearing its head in the form of, of celiac disease. It is probably gotten a little bit better over the years, but when I was, Back in 2007, there was only a 40% accuracy of that test, so it didn't leave you with much confidence at all. If you walked out of there with a negative test, but still had tons of symptoms, um, and Cheryl, I know you know so much more about kind of like the the functional test and and options out there on the market that you can do with, with a practitioner. So, yeah.
1: Well, yes. So uh, we're talking about the scoping, which, um, you know, is going up your, up your bungholio and taking Mm -hmm. a look at what's going on. But I think this goes back to, um, and for those of you who've listened to, um, our gut series, um, that we did um, a while back, um, you know, the gut is like a donut and inside Mm -hmm. that donut, there's a lining, a membrane that's about a millimeter thick. And that is actually lined with what are called villi and microvilli. And those, they're sort of like hairs or like nubs, and they line up and they, push really tight together, um, and that's our gut integrity. But what they're doing is when they're looking um, through a scope and they're looking at that villi, they're looking to see if those hairs or those villi are rubbed down um, and sort of flattened. Um, And unfortunately, the sort of glitch in this process um, is that um, oftentimes celiac disease can get missed because they're looking to see how much of that villi is rubbed down so if you're not at a percentage that they consider high enough or all the way rubbed down you may or may not be flagged for celiac disease um, and so you know i have seen people who have have celiac you know and have gone it's gone missed purely mm-hmm. based on that scope um i um, you know i mean um, and i personally have gone through the same thing mm-hmm. um, where i kept getting, you know, scope for celiac and it would come back negative. Um, and it wasn't until later on, actually, um, through um, a more comprehensive gut test and some genetic testing, that I actually found out I had um, those genetic celiac markers. Um, and that I was like, wow, I was really treading on the edge of Mm -hmm. getting towards that celiac place and my gut was leaky and I had a lot of inflammation, all this stuff was going on. Um, and then making that removal of gluten, um, really saved the day. You know, I'm in that category of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, Um, so I'm definitely gluten sensitive. Um, and like I said before, definitely don't want to (laughs) get, become celiac. Um, and you know, and so there's this delicate dance, but I think one thing just to highlight here, and I think this is a good rule of thumb for everybody, whether you're gluten free or not gluten, especially, um, these non heirloom grained, you know, sort of gluten is really like a Brillo pad to the gut and it's just going in there and it's like playing DJ, really rubbing and irritating and creating inflammation. So I always recommend to anybody, look, not everybody necessarily needs to be gluten-free, but are you buying heirloom grain? Are you fermenting your grain? And we're supposed to be using fermentation as a traditional process, you know, sticking with things like sourdough breads, Um, Mm -hmm. just being mindful that we're not meant to be taking in as much gluten and wheat as we do in these current days and processed foods. So just like doing some minimizing, using good, proper culinary treatments of those Mm -hmm. foods
0: um, is quality over just to jump in here. I think quality over quantity actually is super important, right? So that you're, that, that it's also organic and that you're doing you know yeah. um your 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 due diligence to make some some choices when it comes to that And I think so many people have gone low carb and minimizing grain in their diet in general, because, because we have such gut damage, like over the years, it's hard for them to digest it. And they're seeing it come up in that, in that sense. Um, grains, I hear many people saying lately, you know, grains just don't feel good in my body. I don't feel good eating them. I, I don't, um, I, I can't lose weight if I'm, if I'm eating any semblance of grain. And so that's another way like of, of, that's a, the, those are just simple signals of the body saying, "Hey, this is not working." One hundred percent, and it really just comes down to
1: something that we should all be mindful of is eating real food, eating as much food that comes out of the ground um, that is well loved and well raised. You know, trying to eat as much organic as you can afford to eat eating, you know, grass fed, wild animals, um, pasture raised, you know, and that's just all being mindful of like, well, what kind of food and what is our intake? And again, I think that 80, 20 principle or that 90, 10 principle, um, mm-hmm. serves well for pretty much everybody. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's key to understand that that brush border, which is made up of, of the microvilli that lines the gut, um, is super sensitive. And it's something that, that, when if you've heard the conversations around leaky gut, that's that's the area of our small intestine that that's getting damaged, and once it's damaged, it does it, it it that it's serving as like a protection barrier, but it's also serving as a way that we absorb nutrients. And so, some of the key indicators if if you're grappling with any of this and wondering what's going, why it's going awry, and what if you're a good candidate. Is you know you're having a hard time absorbing nutrients, or you you feel really depleted. If you're getting blood work back that you're low in Bs or you're low in like you're not able to absorb iron as well, those are some simple, you know, common tests. Um, vitamin D levels being low that's another good indicator. But also to say that um, the inflammatory you know, symptoms most often show up in skin issues, joint pain. I mean, it can show up in all sorts of, you know, obviously gut issues, a like digestion mm-hmm. that's just you're not able to digest your food. Um, you know, malabsorption means that you're not like also able to diet like process food. So you're like when you do eat it, so you're even just pooping out still not absorbing your nutrients. Not absorbing well, yeah. So like if you're if you're pooping out solid bits of food, you're not able like you haven't clearly absorbed any of it. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so that being said, it's just, it's just an it's just again, these are just big signs that hey, things are off. I need to start reeling it back and making some some decisions about what my lifestyle is like. And I want to say quickly that I think, you know, for me, being gluten free as long as i have been it's a, just a lifestyle choice i'm just eating i'm eating foods that are naturally gluten free And that is, there's so many of them. There's so many times. And in fact, my entire business is based on foods that are naturally gluten-free. I'm not substituting with with products, you know, except for some pastas um, that are are, are quote-unquote fake, you know, like non-glutenous versions of the gluten things that we love. Um, And so anyway, I just... I want to reiterate that guys, um, as we have this conversation is that, um, once you understand what, you know, gluten is and how to cook whole foods and how to, you know, recalibrate your lifestyle and also how to ask questions in a restaurant, um, those, you know, three factors are, are just, you know, awesome in turn. Like those are such the, like the key factors for having a strong gluten-free toolkit. Yeah. So let's talk about what is gluten-free, what is gluten and what is not gluten, maybe in our diet. Right. Well, we talked
1: about that gluten is wheat, barley, and rye. But also I think one of the big flags, especially if you're somebody who is avoiding gluten, and just really fast, I just want to add a little note here that any, but I always recommend if you're having gut stuff, you're having inflammatory issues. Now that might be cardiometabolic issues, it may be insulin resistance, it may be. Whatever is going on, um, if you're having thyroid issues, et cetera, yep. anything that's going on in the body that is infl- inflammatory, I usually recommend, like to all my clients, let's do a four month elimination. Let's mm-hmm. just see if you're having really bad arthritis and joint pain. Let's eliminate for four months and see how your body does. That's right. Um, the gold standard for anything with food sensitivities and allergies is the is the elimination diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can test for that stuff, but again. Um, I think why not just eliminate? Um, but what I was going to say from there is, um, you know, we have to be looking for places that gluten hides. Um, so I think big places to look are things like sauces and salad dressings, um, tend to be big hidden culprits. Um, Mm -hmm. and also that for some people, and this is not everybody, non gluten grains, their bodies can react to other kinds of grains, which, um, kind of piggybacks on what you were saying a little bit ago, Nancy, which is, um, for some people, they just find like, I don't feel good with grains for some people, their bodies will read something like corn, for
0: example, um, just like it's reading wheat. And well, it, I mean, yeah, corn can be an out aller- can, can be kind of, there are lots of allergens kind of crop up around corn. And I think it it plays off into that same conversation that it's heavily sprayed, that it's it's genetically modified, um, and that it it's highly processed. So It plays the same, the same like it it plays on the same deck as wheat for sure in our food processing. Um, I want to also remind everybody that um, there's just cross contamination between grains and processing centers, and so um, I think, and I could be wrong. I I know I'm wrong actually. I know I know there's a couple more companies that have come up with. clean factories to process oats, for instance. But um, mm-hmm. Bob's Red Mill, I think, was one of the first to have a dedicated field. It's completely separate and protected from other wheat crop around where the oats were being grown and then to have a dedicated factory where those oats were being processed, um, to create oat flour and obviously oatmeal and steel cut and all of that. So yeah. they were actually able to, to put a certified label on their packaging. Um, and so you can find Bob's room mill now at this, at this point and certified gluten-free oats, um, pretty much everywhere from Walmart to, to Whole Foods, uh, and also, um, farmers, you know, as another really good one,
1: they are, um verify their gluten free oats. And, um, also they test their oats for glyphosate,
0: which I really oh, appreciate. Cool. Um, great. so just to That's add awesome. another company in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, so you, there are so many choices. I think, you know, the consumer, us, we have gotten pretty wise about all of this stuff. Um, the market has obviously exploded. People are are interested in taking gluten out um, for all the reasons that we've talked about. Um, and certainly, you know, one of the things I, I see most often that we take for granted um that where where gluten might be hidden is in meatballs meatloaf um if you think about besides a burger like ways that they bind meat like ground meat especially um you you don't see it you don't see breadcrumbs and flours being used a lot in ground meat in certain um you know more mediterranean quiz like not mediterranean sorry but I want to mention like Moroccan, you know, Greek, Middle Eastern diets don't necessarily use flours to bind the ground meat, but you want to make sure that you're asking. Um, You see it used a lot in stuff like meats that have been prepared and maybe dredged in flour and then prepared with a sauce. So classically, it's like a chicken marsala or chicken piccata. You know, those are, you know, classics that, you you don't see it. It's not a breaded product, but it's certainly used to um to pan-fry that that chicken breast and then and then to and then to thicken the sauce. Um and so these days, um the a lot of restaurants have gotten really wise to it um in terms of you then providing a, a, a separate gluten-free menu. Um what I would often do, and I know it gets a little awkward and embarrassing sometimes to ask special questions when you're When you're going with a group of people and you don't want to look weird or you don't want to feel, you know, pinpointed or get a a dozen questions from your nosy family members, is I've called ahead and to say, hey, what are your options? I'm looking online, I see your menu. I have a couple of questions about how certain things are prepared. Um, So certainly call ahead. Get, you know, also, I often just like, I let everybody else order and then I try to ask. Or I, I asked the server, you know, like once everybody else has, has ordered and is sort of like moved on, I can sort of pull the server aside and say, Hey, I've got some questions. Can you help me with this, this, and this? And mm-hmm. they're usually pretty good about that. Um, the other little nuance like so I, I, that, that helps me avoid a dozen questions is to, um, when they're taking a drink order and maybe they rattled off the specials to say, Hey, real quickly, I have a couple of quick questions about the menu and, you know, you just kind of need to make, um, make them aware that you have a gluten sensitivity, um, and, and make sure that, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. they have things that can accommodate you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to also just kind of add to that, like, you know, just make things easy.
1: You know, like one of Mm -hmm. my things I do is oftentimes like, I'll just pick the restaurant. I have a kind of a trend now amongst my friends as both a foodie, um, food lover, et cetera. But like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, Hey, cool. I'll pick the place just to make it really easy. And I know I'm like setting everybody someplace that's tasty and good, um, that has options. Um, and also, you know, there are lots of things like, um, I actually had dinner, I went to yoga the other night and after my yoga class, uh, my wife and I popped over to, um, a gluten-free restaurant nearby, um, called Mediterranean here in Atlanta. And we were talking with our server and, you know, she was talking about, you know, there's like the gluten-free Atlanta website and it'll an flag mm-hmm. and tell you every place, you know, in a city that has yeah. gluten-free options. I mean, I will say, man, we have come far from those early days in the early 2000s with gluten. Oh my, gluten. Gosh. Oh my yeah. God. When everything tasted like cardboard yes. and like, it just wasn't it worth it. It just it wasn't, wasn't worth it. getting the bread. <laughs> it was so gross. Yes. And I just feel like, you know, and I think to add to that guys, um, look, like just because you're going gluten-free doesn't mean go start subbing in every gluten-free product and bagel and English muffin and cracker. Like there are some of those things are like, great, like have some special moments, you know, have a gluten-free pasta on occasion, but we want to be careful because a lot of those gluten-free products that they are not made well are also filled with a lot of fillers and emulsifiers and other things that are used to replace that gluten. Um, And it's not necessarily a solution. You know, our goal should always be eat real food that is nutrient dense to be mm-hmm. healing our guts so that we can digest and absorb and get past the cell membrane, the food that we are intaking. So we're getting absorbing our nutrients well. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course, like have some great things. Nancy and I were um, talking earlier before the podcast about um, there's a bakery here in Atlanta called Hell Yeah Gluten-Free <laughs> and, we, and how much we love that place. It's oh my god, such Amazing. a treat to go there and mm-hmm. everything tastes awesome. Things do not taste like ca- cardboard. You want a donut? Mm. You want a cookie? Oh wait, I'm sorry. Do you want a biscuit sandwich? Do you want mm. a pop tart? <laughs> I mean, yes. like they have it Quiche. all. They make wedding cakes. Yeah, they make wedding cakes and quiches, all the things. Um, yeah. But is that something that we go do all the time? No. no. Um, you know, I, I yeah. said maybe maybe once a month. I'll
0: pop yeah. it and like a little something, you know? So yeah, I feel, I swear, I love hell yeah. And they have done such a good job with their Instagram account that that is like, I can only take it for so long. So, so many weeks will build up and I'm looking, I'm trolling and I'm getting smacked in the face with their amazing goodies. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. I'm coming over. I can't take it anymore. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the other key factors I find in just like navigating food and, and eating out is when I go back to, what I was doing in those early days is that if I filled up on, on all that junk, when, like, as soon as, like, a gluten-free English weapon would come on the market or something kind of fun and, and and exciting, I would, you know, go scoop it up. And, man, I became so constipated. That stuff (laughs) just, it's just, you know, talk about white flour. Like, if, if you're already on the, like, on the bandwagon that, like, white flour just isn't good for you, well, what do you think potato starch is? Basically, it's just gonna jam you up. And that's what so much of, these products are made of. Um, And I I will certainly, you know, offer that there are some beautiful companies out there that have taken the mission of going gluten-free really serious. Um, Jovial Pasta is one of them. Um, They they started working out of Italy and really kind of honing in on uh, how to make pasta stable. They use brown rice almost, you know, that was, I think that's, almost 100% of what's just in their pasta the strategy from there is is coming up with the tools and and the talent to make um all sorts of incredible pasta shapes for you to kind of go back to your, to some of the the, the italian classics um the other side note to that is like i got really clear about what what cuisines just naturally were gluten free which was such a nice um it's just such really like armed you with so much knowledge once I really understood it. And if you live in a place where you can get access, um, to really to like good Indian food, especially sa- it's like Southern Indian food, so much of the flowers that are used or are, are coming from beans and, and legumes, and they're not wheat flour at all. Um. So that's amazing. Like, go go enjoy a big dosa. I mean, that it's just like basically mm-hmm. like a big Indian crepe, and it's not made with 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 wheat flour. It's made with chickpea flour. It's it's incredible. I love dosa. Yeah. Mm. God, I make I it, it. I make it at home. I make it at home. Oh, you know, nice. So. I haven't gotten that brave. That that's amazing. Well, and then the other thing is that you know a lot of Asian cuisines, um, is particularly you know. Uh, Chinese, Japanese, and you know Thai um, will lean on soy sauce, and we have to really careful about soy sauce. Classic soy sauces, uh, particularly in China, are made with with fermenting wheat as the base, and so a, a typical classic uh, soy sauce is not. Gluten-free. Um, you need tamari, T-A-M-A-R-I, um, which is a more of a classic Japanese style soy sauce. Um, and it's it's easy to find on the market anywhere. Often, if you walk into a really nice sushi restaurant, they're gonna have it as an option. Um, you could also just bring your own, which that's what Cheryl and I were doing or like early on. Like I'm just toting around soy sauce in my bag. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um no, No shame at all. Um, I mean, you know, to to a certain degree, once you realize how good you feel um, coming off of gluten and going backwards, um, you know, the risk of offending someone, embarrassing yourself in front of colleagues, you know, that like I am and it's not worth it to me to feel bad for, for, for whatever discomfort I feel in that moment. Well, none of us should feel bad for
1: our personal choices. I like know, I just tell yeah. everybody, I'm like, you know what guys, this is how I live my life. Just like yes. you have ways that you live yours. That's right. Um, you know, stick with the people who support you, who you know are going to stick with you. I have a couple near and dear friends in my early days when I was on a candida protocol, Ooh. and I was off gluten and dairy and sugar and alcohol. And man, let me tell you, those friends who stuck with me and who are just like, cool, we'll go eat at this da 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 whatever place. Well, like, you know, we don't care, like, you know, like super supportive. So like find your people and, you know, it's, it's time for us to just, um, meet each other where we're at and flexible and realize this is a, a bigger problem than maybe we initially realized. Um, and for some people and, and that's okay. And, you know, I will say too, just, um, you know, like one of my clients, you know, we were just having this conversation because her celiac, she's so sensitive. That mm-hmm. she can't even go to restaurants that even if they have gluten-free, but they share with a gluten-based kitchen, the cross-contamination, meaning that yeah. gluten particles are floating around and landing on surfaces, is so inflammatory for her. She can't even eat at those restaurants. She can only eat at 100% gluten-free certified restaurants. Um, you know, And so also yeah. just being kind to the people who are doing that, knowing that there's lots of things that we can sub out. For all the green, you know, it's like collard green wraps. There's lettuce wraps. There's, um, you know, non-gluten
0: based grains. There's mm-hmm. corn, um, corn, yeah. and then and then Ciete's whole line of, um, of I love tortillas Ciete. are amazing. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, And I was also going to say, um, jovial foods, which you mentioned, Nancy also has a grain free line. So if Mm -hmm. you're somebody who maybe you're just trying to reduce your grains, maybe you're trying to do an autoimmune sort of paleo protocol, you know, stuff like that. I personally keep a lower grain. Sort of diet on the weekends. I allow myself to be a little bit more free if we go out to a meal, we're seeing friends. Um, Those are the times when I'm more flexible or if I'm traveling. But when I'm at home, um, I definitely try to personally, I try to keep my grains um, down to like once a day. Um, And also, um, as you know, one of the things I keep in my own home is we don't eat a lot of bread. We don't You know, we try not to, again, go too heavy on the gluten-free and grain-free things, but um, there's a company called Simple Needs, like K-N-E-A-D-S. And, um, you know, we like their gluten-free sourdough bread, Um, you know, so sometimes if we want to have toast, um, I will say the bread, you have to kind of toast it. I feel like for it to be really tasty, Um, Mm -hmm. I don't like it in its standard form. And also need love bakery in New York city. Um, I have to say her gluten-free sourdough bagels are all heirloom grain and mm, they're pricey, nice. but worth every penny made with <laughs> love, love, uh, love. wow. We're yes. just going out all of our places. You, you and your, your bougie bagels, but yes, yeah, so I do uh, have bougie bagels. I, <laughs> I was telling Nancy, I was like, they're expensive, but man, I was like worth every penny. And when I go to New York city, I buy three or four bags of their bougie bagels and I bring them home. And I was like, you know what? We all need to have a few bougie things. I have bougie coffee and bougie bagels and I don't eat it every day. And when I do, I get the wild locks and tomato and sprouts and all the things. And I you know, yes. it sounds delicious.
0: Do a bougie bagel yeah. thing. Bougie bagel thing. Yes. Well, I was also going to say, um, shout out to Canyon Bakehouse, um, who Udi's, I think, I'm, I'm sure there were other brands, but in my mind, Udi's is like the first to come out with a gluten-free bread. That it, <laughs> it tastes like cardboard. Oh, it was the worst. It was so bad. It had a weird taste to it. It had a weird consistency to it. Um, It was just bad. And then, but then Canyon came out and they got sponginess, right, somehow and moisture. And, and they also, they they were introducing organic, um, you know, multi-grain options. They have now expanded. You could see their stuff all over and from, you know, a a general Kroger Publix you know, grocery store lines across the country. It's much easier to get stuff now. it is. And so anyway, it is worse. yeah, you know, I think one thing that actually I think changed in terms of my lifestyle is just that, like, I ate less bread. You know, the one of the things what was going on for me back in oh seven was this connection of the fact that I was, Overly stressed, working too many jobs, but I was really, I was living on pizza and bagels. I was broke in New York City. I worked at a coffee shop. It was just like, <laughs> give me croissants, give me bagels. I'm going to just calorie, I'm going to calorie pump myself through this day uh, with carbs. And, you know, and then it, there was some point when I was, you know, eating pizza with a friend and having as I think I had a, even had like a Coke with it or something. And, you know, he's like, we're just creating glue. It's like cheese. And then this like weird, bad flour in, in, in the crust of the pizza. And then you just add some liquid to it. And then it's just like paste. It's just stuck and it gets sticky. And, you know, gluten is like glue. We already talked about that. It's like, yeah, it ruining <laughs> I know. And I hate to be a party <laughs> pooper guys. I mean, don't trust me. I eat, I don't eat, I eat gluten-free pizza. Um, I'm not going to go without pizza but there's a difference between like that being the primary element of your diet and you're scarfing down hot dogs and you're just like doing whatever you can. It's like, That is when I actually started really cooking for myself. Um, I had to. And you know what? It was a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. The the transition was a pain in the ass. I would try to eat a... I would drink a beer or have a slice because I felt left out because, of course, no one in New York was serving gluten-free pizza. And I... I would just blow up and I would feel tired. I feel sluggish. And it was sort of like, I might as well just gotten hammered the night before. Like I was just like wasted the next day. And I was like, well, shit, I didn't have a good time. Like what was, what was that worth? Like a a freaking, you know, piece of pizza? No. And so, you know, I think the other piece of the coin, and I'm going to be really, um, realistic about this and this is actually where you know my business actually serves um an important piece in this puzzle or, or businesses like mine because so my entire menu of 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 our um our meal delivery service through my company is is completely gluten-free and one thing that i think is is really helpful is like if I got stuck out in the world or in my workday or in my hustle and bustle and I hadn't prepared to eat and I was stuck out there without options um do you know what dinner became or lunch it was like a kind bar like at a CVS you know it wasn't yeah. it wasn't pretty and it's it's like a bag of almonds and some like raisins like I I just it was bad and I was trying really hard to like you know, both save money and eat well. And when you're in that precarious position, let me assure you that um, that the hangry blood sugar <laughs> issues become bigger than you want them to be. And then you become desperate, and then you're in the fuck it phase. And then you're like, oh, I'm just gonna have it, have that sandwich or have that pizza pizza or I'm just whatever. Screw it. I'm I can't. I'm gonna eat this stupid wrap with this stupid. Flour tortilla on it. And I'm going to, and then I'm going to pay for it. And it's and just, going to have this- the diarrhea all day tomorrow. You exactly. just nailed
1: the mental battle that comes with this. And for those of you who are gluten free, you Jeez. know exactly what we're going through a little yes. bit. Yes. Uh-huh. You know what I used to do is I would try to find like a Trader Joe's or like a grocery store. Yes. My solution would be, I would go in and either buy like a tub of salad (laughs) or a bag of salad at Trader Joe's and like some organic turkey lunch meats. Yeah. And I would grab, you know, some packets of like, sea salt and pepper, or like, sometimes you can get like little packets of like a cleaner salad dressing, or sometimes <laughs> I would just buy a bottle of salad dressing right. and I would just grab, or I would go to like, um, you know, someplace and get a tub of salad. Cause it was actually cheaper than buying it. At like the cold bar at whole foods, oh whatever. God, yeah. And I would grab like a little, little thing of side veggies. I would dump it all together. I mean, I had that stuff like hacked down because I was yeah, so yeah. dirt poor, but I was like, I knew for like under $10, <laughs> I could walk in, fill my belly with real food, throw a big thing together, get tons of protein. It'd be gluten-free. I would just sit outside on a bench somewhere. didn't matter how cold, (laughs) how snowy New York city was. It didn't matter. Didn't matter if there was a smelly homeless person next to you. (laughs) i are still like rocking your gluten-free, like whatever. Like I had it, I had it down. I had it down to like this weird, fine art where I realized like, All I have to do is go to a grocery store. And, you know, and if I was going out with friends and I knew the place probably didn't serve my needs, I would try to make sure I ate a meal before I went out. And then, you know, worst case scenario, guys, seltzer water with a little bit of cocktail bitters and a twist of lime. Mm. It'll look like you're drinking an alcoholic drink. You're going to blend in. You can (laughs) hang out. You know, maybe you get a gin and tonic, whatever it is. And I think it's the thing. It's like, Find your people that you know you can go out with who will Won't appreciate judge you who <laughs> will appreciate where that where you're at. And like here's the thing: yeah, people shouldn't be judging you, they should be meeting you where you're at.
0: So I know, but but I think I think it's also just our, our own being like our self-judgment. A, our self-judgment, right? But also yeah. just like having to explain. I mean, I worked at a big company. You know, I'm, I'm in an office environment. I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's the birthday cupcakes and there's the, you know, the retirement party. And I mean, let me just tell you, like, like the list goes on and on and, and honestly, and I, I didn't want to look like an asshole, but I also like did, I also wanted to celebrate with them. And I just, you know, the thing that I, I did was like what was really important to me was to not come across or lay my own, you know, crusade against gluten on anyone else and not to come up as high and mighty. Right. So I was just quiet That was my choice. I also got. I also got lots of questions. Like, oh, here she comes. She's 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 a troublemaker. Oh, we gotta go out to eat with Nancy. Like, what is she gonna be able to do? Because eventually, my colleagues figured it out that I was I was a little bit of a high maintenance roller, um, in their minds. And so, what I realized eventually was like like my making a different. Decision about diet and how I was running my life made them reflect on their own, which made them uncomfortable. I mean, I think that's really what it is. It's like it, it was unknown. It's like it's, a, it's exactly like any of you out there who who've ever gotten sober, you know exactly what we're talking about. It's that same mentality of like you you start to lose friends who were uncomfortable with with you being sober because it makes them reflect all, like on their own shit. And this is the same concept. These people, many of these people that I worked with, that. De- 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 Definitely needed a, like an adjustment in their diet, in their lifestyle. I wasn't going to make that, you know, that, uh, that prediction or observation for them, but to, sh- to merely share my own personal experience if asked. Um, and to take, you know, some of the brunts on the chin when I got the snide comments from people who I couldn't go tell off. So anyway. Super weird. Don't be super weird, guys. Like, just <laughs> like, it goes both ways, you know? Like
1: So That's right. yeah, I, I feel you. So mm. we hope that some of today helps you in your own journey. Maybe it's, you know, being a little bit broader, kinder, or just aware for your loved ones or friends, um, people around you. Uh, maybe you're questioning, do you have a gluten thing? Do you not? Um, and we just encourage you guys, like do some good research, you know, on some resources that I think are really fantastic. Um, I I really love the work of Dr. Tom O'Brien. Um, mm-hmm. he does a lot of really good education around gluten. You can go and find you know all kinds of free videos and things so you can just understand a little bit more. And also um, for our book club, um, mm-hmm. which, if you're not listening, checking in on our book club, listen up, go check it out go to our website at peelingtheonion.com. Um, we have tons of book recs, both for Nancy and myself, but also our guests. Um, and one of the other people I was just going to mention, and um, actually my book for this week, is a book called Gluten Freedom by Dr. Alessio Fasano. Um, also really good um, person to check out his work. Um, but I really enjoyed the book Gluten Freedom. I think he does a great job of really laying out gluten. A lot of things that we've talked about today, you know, really getting more in depth about, um, being gluten-free. Um, so I encourage you guys to check that out is up on
0: our website and then Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. So a big shout out to hell. Yeah. Gluten-free. Um, they referred me to the book Baked to Perfection by Katerina Surbel. She is, um, she's out of the UK uh, and has an amazing, beautiful Instagram account. That's um, at the, the, the loopy whisk. And she is the 2022, her book is the 2022 winner of the Fortnum and Mason food and drink award. And so I just have to say, I got to give her a big shout out. She's put a lot of of thought and chemistry and precision into uh, gluten-free baking, which says a ton about where we have come from in in the last decade. and certainly, uh, hats off to all those scientists out there who, who, and bloggers who have taken it on. Um, I'm going to list a couple of my favorite blogs that I, I really lean on for great recipes. Um, I mean, I cook every day, every week for you know <laughs> masses of people, and so I can certainly share with you some of my favorite recipes and places to to resource. Um, I think one of the key Elements of this, I just want to reiterate: is to like, take it slow, um, and and you know batch cook and just start with simple whole foods. Um, we we can't re- reiterate it enough. Um, if you're gonna go gluten free, go gluten free. Don't dance back and forth. It's not gonna help your immune system and your gut to heal. Um, it's it's pretty tricky and. Also, you can see great benefits from it, um, and I'll be the I'll be the one to say I don't believe that that being gluten free is a health fad. I think gluten free is a health choice and a lifestyle choice, and something that we just have to take seriously when it comes to um, making a a big adjustment and and healing our gut. So, anywho, that being said, Cheryl, what you gonna do?
1: I'm gonna stay gluten free. <laughs> and keep peeling that onion damn it oh, I'm sorry i'm supposed to peel the onion darn it i'm gonna peel it gluten-free style so there you
0: go
1: <laughs> um thanks That's for awesome. joining guys check out our book club follow us on instagram please follow us itunes stitchers spotify all the things leave us a review um help us get to word out share the podcast with friends and we'll see you next time all right guys have a good one Thanks for joining us for another episode of Peeling the Onion Podcast. If we've inspired you to take the next step in your healing journey, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher.
0: You can also find us on Instagram and online at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Music by Greg Dijazoo and podcast production by Nova Media. Until next time, keep peeling the onion.